Hey everyone, this is Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready For The Draft podcast, Rapid Fire Positional Breakdown Edition. Last episode, we brought to you the edge rushers and defensive tackles. Now we're going to go ahead and transition from the defensive line to the linebacker position. I've got over 40 linebackers that I wanted to discuss for one reason or another. But before we jump into the position, wanted to bring up something that uh, it seems to be circulating. Pete Prisco was reporting that Kyler Murray may not be the number one overall pick of the Arizona Cardinals. I'm still convinced that he has to be the pick there. I think one of the issues is, is I don't think they're getting what they were looking for uh, with Josh Rosen. Looking for a first-rounder, not really able to get that with Josh Rosen. But look, Arizona, they don't have to necessarily trade Josh Rosen right away. You don't necessarily need to have all your eggs in one basket uh, in terms of having a quarterback. You can have Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen on the roster, um, much like you saw in Washington with RG3 Kirk Cousins. Um so there's there's a possibility that you can end up seeing both of those guys on the roster. Really, the question is going to be, what do the Arizona Cardinals do if they don't take Kyler Murray? When you look at their scheme, it's a 3-4 defense. Nick Bosa, to me, uh, is not the guy that I could see really making that transition from a, a 4-3 defensive end to a 3-4 outside linebacker. Uh, on the other hand, Josh Allen absolutely can do that. And he had a huge senior season, putting everything together, 21 tackles for loss, 17 sacks, um, and really was the the guy that really stirred the drink there for the, the, the Kentucky Wildcats there on defense. But then you've got Quinn and Williams, nose guard for Alabama, a guy who just wreaked Havoc, a guy who just virtually was unblockable, uh, both with his quickness off the football and then his just brute force uh, getting into the backfield. You know, at, at 6'3 and, and three, 303 pounds, ran a 4'8340. Uh, to me, I think Quinn and Williams would end up being the guy if they decide they want to look, de- you know, look <clears throat> defense with that number one overall pick instead of taking Kyler Murray. They could be looking to possibly trade down with someone who's coveting one of these guys. You know, you look at the Raiders. You know, would the Raiders trade up to get Nick Bosa? They can stay where they're at at number four and potentially get Quinn and Williams. I don't know that that's necessarily the case. Is there a team outside the top four that's looking at uh, the number one overall pick, looking for a, uh, a defensive player? Um, you know, I, I don't see Oakland reaching for a quarterback number one overall. They already have Derek Carr on the roster. You know, what they really need to do is upgrade their their pass rush. So it's going to be interesting. You know, you can't find a trade partner, at least right now, for Josh Rosen. And, you know, the, the, the talk now is that Kyler Murray may not be the number one overall pick. Does that mean they're looking to trade? Maybe they'll still take him later on in the draft? You know, a lot of real questions that are going to be circulating here as we get closer to the uh, as we get closer to the draft. Um, you know, obviously last year, Baker Mayfield, there was a lot of talk, um, you know, leading up to the draft the last couple of days, there was a real whirlwind about, uh, John Dorsey taking Baker Mayfield. I still didn't buy into that talk, uh, just because I I didn't think they were actually going to pull the trigger. Actually listen to me when I said that if John Dorsey wanted to change the losing culture in, in Cleveland, you take Baker Mayfield, not Sam Darnold, and uh, you see what that's ha- you know what uh, what we've seen there for uh, the Cleveland Browns this season. Kyler Murray sitting there, you know the Raiders if they do want to make a splash going into Las Vegas, 
Kyler Murray could end up being the guy, but it doesn't make a ton of sense, especially with with bringing Antonio Brown into the fold. You know, they have a lot of needs on defense. Um, you know, I I, I think Mar- Mike Mayock sitting there. I don't think he's a guy who's going to reach uh, for a player and you know trading up to get him. You know, they, they'd have to trade away some of their other assets. And you know, if you look at my my mock draft the way I have it laid out right now, Quinton Williams at number four, Cleveland Furl at, at twenty four. Uh, no, or I'm sorry. Yeah. Noah fan at 27 and then at 35, Josh Jacobs. I mean, you're addressing a ton of needs right there and you can potentially hit a home run with every single one of those picks. So I don't see the Raiders doing that. It'll be interesting to see what happens if the Cardinals do go defense with the first overall pick, where does Kyler Murray end up falling? You know, do you see a team like Miami or Washington trade up possibly Cincinnati if Zach Taylor covets, uh, uh, Kyler Murray, you know, do the Giants, you know, who are much, you know, a lot of people think that they're going to go after Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Haskins. Do they end up biting on Kyler Murray? It'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, we're just a few days away from the draft. Um, so I wanted to at least mention that, um, you know, a lot, could it be a smoke screen? Really the Cardinals are playing it close to the vest. You really don't know what Steve Kime, um, you know, is thinking there in Arizona and, uh, we'll find out, you know, April 25th, Nashville, Tennessee. Um, you know, we really won't know until Roger Goodell reads that card, um, you know, to find out for sure whether or not it's going to be Kyler Murray or someone else. So as I said, we've got over 40 linebackers to cover in a short period of time. So I might as well go ahead and get things kicked off. Um, With these rapid fire podcasts, I've been starting out kind of breaking down the position over the last five seasons. So if you take a look at the 2014 draft uh, at the linebacker position, you know, and we're talking true linebackers, not edge rushers. So this was a draft where Khalil Mack was taken, but I consider him an edge rusher. um, So not included in, in this, uh, in these overall numbers. So 29 linebackers, true linebackers taken in 2014. Um, when you're looking at that seven came off the board in the first three rounds. So a lot of value there, um, on the second, I'm sorry, on the third day, you know, and you're going to see that as a trend going throughout the, um, throughout these past five years. Now, now first round, Anthony Barr, Ryan Chazier, CJ Mosley, all hits there. Uh, second round, Kyle Van Noy. Now check this out. Third round, Christian Kirksey, Preston Brown, Chris Borland. Round four, Anthony Hitchens. Round five, Telvin Smith, Avery Williamson. Both starters to this day. Uh, so you can definitely get value on day three, and we'll see that here in just a little bit. Uh, 2015, again, 29 linebackers taken. Two in the first uh, three in the second, and then another two in the third. So that's, if you're scoring at home, that's seven on the first two days of the draft. So 22 guys taken after the first two days. Uh, you know, so Shaq Thompson, Stefan Anthony taken in the first round. Uh, Bernardrick uh, McKinney at uh, a um, Mississippi State. Uh, Eric Kendricks, UCLA. Denzel Perryman of, of Miami taken in, in round number two. Uh, the Texas kid, Jordan Hicks, taken in the third round. He got a nice little payday going to Arizona. Fourth round, check this out. You know, you had Rameek Wilson uh, taken by the Rams, but then after that, number 124 overall, Quan Alexander. Uh, big free agent acquisition for the 49ers. Again, you know, getting some of that value later on in the draft. Cowboys got Damian Wilson, who's contributed. Jake Ryan there in the fourth round. Uh, fifth round, uh, Kyle Emanuel has started some for the Chargers as well. Uh, looking at 2016, 30 linebackers taken in, in that draft. But again, only seven 
in the first three rounds. Now, we had Darren Lee uh, in, in the first taken by the Jets. The second round, though, check it, take, take a look at some of these names. Jalen Smith, Miles Jack, Reggie Ragland, Deion Jones. I think we did a pretty good job in 2016. Uh, third round, Nick Vigil. You know He's a starter for the Bengals. Uh, fourth round, Joe Schobert, number 99 overall, playing very well for the, the Browns. B.J. Goodson starting for the Giants. Devondre Campbell, uh, starter uh, for the Falcons. Now, number 131 overall, Blake Martinez, over 140 tackles. He's got more tackles than he was uh, You know the selection there in round number four um, You know at, at pick number 131. Uh, fifth... Uh, fifth round, Jatavis Brown, the undersized linebacker, um, you know, and and he he's been a guy that's uh, seen some starting action there for for the LA Chargers. Um, sixth round, you had Landon Roberts and uh, uh, Camus uh, Grigier Hill. I'm not sure I'm a, if I'm pronouncing that correctly or not, but I think he's getting a chance to start there in Philly. 2017, we saw a drop in the number of linebackers taken, just 23, but we saw an uptick in linebackers drafted in the First three rounds. We now had nine uh, taken in the first three rounds, the first two days of the draft, with 14 taken in the final four. Um, Hassan Reddick, uh, Jared Davis, Reuben Foster, uh, all taken in round number one to the Cardinals, Lions, and 49ers, respectively. Second round, you had Ryan Anderson, Raquan McMillan, Zach Cunningham. Uh, third round, Duke Riley, Alex Anzalone. Kendall Beckwith, a lot of guys that have gotten playing time. Fourth round, Ben Gideon playing for, for the Minnesota. Uh, fifth round, Jayon uh, Brown playing for the Titans. Anthony Walker for the Colts. Matt Milano in Buffalo. And then in, in 2018, a staggering 35 linebackers. But you'll see why here in just a moment as we start going through the list. Um, you know, four taken in round number one, another two in round two, and and three. I'm sorry, five in the third round. So you're you're talking eleven taken in the first three rounds, um, and then <clears throat> really the you know a ton of linebackers taken in the final three rounds. You know, you're looking at five in the fifth, eight in the sixth, and eight in the seventh. So a lot of linebackers taken late. But check out the. You know, it's almost a who's who of, of linebackers that, that saw action a season ago. Uh, Roquan Smith for the Bears, Tremaine Edmonds to the Bills, Leighton Vander Esch to, to the Cowboys, and Rashawn Evans to the Titans. We know know all of those there in the in round number one. Round number two, Colts get the steal of the draft, in my opinion. Darius Leonard sitting there in the second round out of South Carolina State ended up being the defensive rookie of the year. Um just an absolute beast. Uchenna Nwosu uh, looks to be a, a versatile uh, defender there for uh, for the Chargers. Third round, Fred Warner was a tackling machine coming out of BYU for the 49ers. Uh, Jerome Baker was a starter for Miami. Um, Malik Jefferson battled some injuries uh, there in Cincinnati. Oren Burks, still some hope for him uh, with the Packers. Dorian O'Daniel might get a chance to start. Uh, fourth round, Josie Jewell right now penciled in as a starter there for the Broncos. Uh, Kenny Young got some playing time there in, in Baltimore as well. Uh, fifth round, you have Shaquem Griffin. Um, you know, excellent story going to Seattle. Got playing time up there. Juwan Bentley, the underrated line, middle linebacker out of Purdue, uh, going to the Patriots. A perfect fit there. And then one of my favorite players, made the all-shoots team, uh, Jannard Avery uh, out of Memphis, going to the Browns. A guy who I think can do a little bit of everything. He can rush the passer, play the run, blitz a little bit, um, as I said, and, and also be able to drop into 
drop into coverage. Um, so it does a little bit of everything. And, uh, you know, a guy who I think has a chance to, to start there for the Browns. So <clears throat> when we look at this year's draft, I think the, the class of the draft are, are the two guys named Devin. And the first one we'll talk about is Devin White out of LSU, six foot, two hundred thirty-seven pound junior. Um, ran a four-four-two forty at the combine, thirty-nine and a half inch vertical leap. Uh, very explosive uh, for an inside linebacker. Twenty-two reps at at two twenty-five as well. Um, but uh, when you look at Devin White, he was really the heart and soul of that LSU defense. Tremendously productive his last two seasons. Uh, put back to back. Uh, 120 plus C, uh, tackle seasons as a sophomore, 133 total tackles, uh, 13 and a half for loss, six, uh, four, uh, four and a half sacks, three pass breakups. And then as a junior, um, you know, 123 tackles, 12 for loss, three sacks, six pass breakups, three forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, did a little bit of everything, filled up the stat sheet. Um, you know, when, when you look at, at him, you know, he's a converted high school running back. So the instincts are still playing catch up. You know, you'll see him get fooled, taking some false steps, you know, from initial movement, but, uh, why the production is so impressed, you know, I think that's why his production is, is so impressive. Despite those shortcomings, he still finds a way to get it done. The play speed accurately represents that four, four, two forty flies all over the field. Does a tremendous job working laterally from gap to gap to force that running back to the perimeter has the speed downhill to fill the gaps in a hurry, can sink his hips and cut on a dime to change directions. Then has that quick acceleration and closing speed to get to the ball carrier in a hurry. Um, does a really good job timing his blitz as well, especially when spying the quarterback as he'll often shoot that a gap, uh, to pressure the quarterback as the ball's being thrown, um, does have some trouble taking the proper angle to the football, but again, he's still learning the position. I think, um, when he does arrive at the ball carrier, does an excellent job driving through the ball carrier, always looking for, uh, to make a play on the football as well. Very smooth in his backpedaling coverage. Fluid hips to to turn and run um, with uh, with his man, and also shows a knack for finding the ball in the passing game. As I mentioned, you know, with with all the pass breakups that he had, um, you know, six pass breakups in 2018, which doubled his output from the prior year. So again, learning that that position, able to drop back into coverage again, and uh, <clears throat> you know, simply put, you know, the best is still likely yet to come for White, which you know he's still learning the, the position. That's a scary thought. You know, if if Devin White, you know, the best is yet to come for him. I think the Bucks sitting there with the fifth overall pick. I was overthinking things with the Buccaneers, to be perfectly honest with you. A lot of what they were doing there at the linebacker position early on, um, you, you have Kevin Minter re-signed. You bring in Dale Buchanan as that hybrid uh, linebacker safety position. Um, you know, and uh, Shaquille Barrett as a as an edge rusher. You know, but I'm looking at Levante David, and in a four three, excellent will. But when you're converting to Todd Bowles's three four defense, he's going to play inside. Who's playing inside with him? We a lot of the talk about Barrett and Buchanan. You know, you're bringing them, and that's really solidifying that that outside linebacker position. You also have uh, JPP, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, and uh, uh, Noah Spence. Um, who can rush the passer there on the outside? But who's playing inside? You know, Kevin Minter, yes, he was re-signed, but do we really want to hang your hat there? Plus, uh, Kendall Beckwith coming back from injury. So, you know, 
yes, you have them in the middle there, but I, I think adding Devin White, getting that playmaker, um, you know, the range is is insane. Um, to me, I think it's a no-brainer. You go Devin White uh, if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If he happens to fall, watch for Denver to potentially trade up and get him. You know, it sounds kind of crazy, especially with all the quarterback talk, but look, at the end of the day, Vic Fangio is a defensive-minded head coach, and he had Roquan Smith in Chicago as a rookie. I could potentially see him looking at Devin White as a possibility, but he could also stay put at number 10 and get my number two linebacker, which is Devin Bush out of Michigan. Um, you know, 5'11", 234 pounds, and a guy who just seemed to fly all over the field. Ran a 4-4-3-40 at the Combine, bench-pressed uh, 225, 21 times, 40-and-a-half-inch uh, vertical leap. Um, you know, a guy, again, who filled all the stat sheets, 172 tackles, you know, most of those coming in, in his final two seasons, 18-and-a-half, tackles for loss, 10 sacks, uh, 11 pass breakups as well. Um, so a guy who knows how to drop back into coverage. Um, you know, named the Big uh, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, second team All-American. Um, you know, again, like I said, just flew all over the field, just seemed to always be making plays. And what jumps out quickly when you watch him is just how active he is. You know, like I said, you know, you, you see that number 10 all over the field, does a tremendous job diagnosing plays, reading his keys, reacting in a hurry, athleticism and speed allow him to beat blocks over the top laterally. And once he you know hits a hole downhill, he explodes to the ball carrier. Tremendous job using his hands at the point of attack to slip blocks and uses that low center of gravity that gives him the balance required to keep his footing and work through contact. Um, if you play him too high, um, you know, when you're trying to block him, you're in a world of trouble because he delivers a pretty good punch at the point of attack to get the blocker off balance as well. Um, you know, because of his, his lack of size, he does have to work harder to slip blocks uh, because he can get engulfed by blockers at the point of attack, um, can struggle to get off the block at some, um, you know, at, from time to time. Um, but look, in space, he, he's tremendous, especially in coverage, um, speed and fluidity to turn and run with running backs, um, can close in the flat in a hurry, get up the sideline. Um, recognition is excellent, um, showing that he can read a screen, run by the blockers on the perimeter, get to the outside, drop the running back behind the line of scrimmage, can also get after the quarterback, can bend around the corner in a hurry, times his blitz as well uh, when he's shooting the gaps, gets to the quarterback to affect the pass. Uh, just needs to do a better job breaking down in space. Like I said, he flies all around, all the way to the ball. Um, but again, if you're flying flying to the ball like you have your hair on fire, uh, you know you need to make sure that you can break down. He's going to miss some tackles as a result of that. Um, but <clears throat> you know, it, 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 it he's already got that lack of ideal length and, and size. So you know, it's critical that he arrives at the ball carrier under control if he wants to make a play. But I got him going to Denver. You know, he's going to be a different type of linebacker than, than Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith had a, had a lot more size, but uh, Devin Bush has a lot more speed. And uh, Vic Fangio, I think he's going to fall in love with either, you know, really both of the Devons. And uh, if John Elway isn't going quarterback in round number one, then uh, inside linebacker, that's where it's going to be. So after that, you know, I'm I'm gonna venture to guess that we may not see a linebacker taken in round number two. Um, there's a possibility. I've got Mac Wilson penciled in there right now, um, and I actually have him going round two to the Bengals. 
um, you know, really what the Bengals are going to be looking for. Yes, they re-signed uh, Preston Brown, but Preston Brown is really a, a two-down linebacker. Not very good against the pass. So really what I think is uh, Mac Wilson can step in, play the will in that traditional 4-3, and then when they go to the passing situations, Preston Brown comes off the field, and uh, Mac Wilson can team with Nick Vigil there um, in, in some of those those pass sets. So Mac Wilson, 6'1", 240 pounds, ran a 4.71 at his pro day, didn't run at the combine, 32-inch vertical leap. When you look at his stats, um, you know, really a guy who was more of a special teams guy than anything else, and then you know, really Alabama, your finals, usually your final season is kind of that's when you you get thrusted into the starting lineup, and really to Nick Saban's credit, all those guys step in and they produce, so they come ready to play. Sixty-five tackles, four and a half for loss, one sack, two interceptions, five pass breakups, uh, four Mac Brown on the year. I'm sorry, Mac Wilson, not Mac Brown. Mac Brown, I don't know. I don't know if he'd be able to put up t- uh, numbers quite like that, um, but you know, I, th- I thought he, you know, like I said, he made a made a name for himself on special teams um, early in his career. Uh, pretty good range laterally against the run. Um, enjoys you know really coming downhill. Delivers a big hit. He's a big hitter, uh, and maybe what makes him that perfect fit, um, especially for the Bengals, is his ability to drop in coverage. Um, you know, he's racked up six interceptions in his career that I, I kind of buried the lead there a little bit to a season ago, but four as a sophomore, um, you know, as a reserve, uh, seven pass breakups in his career as well. Uh, I think that versatility, uh, is going to give him a shot to get drafted in round number two. Um, but I think there are a bunch of linebackers here that could end up coming off the board in round three. Number four on the list is Blake Cashman out of Minnesota. Uh, 6'1", 237 pounds, showed up uh, you know, in Minnesota as a defensive back, converted to, to linebacker as a sophomore, um, really you know, set the world on fire there in, in the Big Ten. 45 tackles, 10.5 for loss, 7.5 sacks. Really showed that he could bend the edge and, and get to the quarterback in a hurry. Um, but uh, you know, really, um, 2017, you know, kind of a lackluster year for him. Um, nothing to really write home about. And then as a senior, he really put everything together. 104 tackles, 15 for loss, two and a half sacks, five pass breakups, uh, fumble recovery that he returned for touchdown as well. Uh, just a guy who has a nose for the football, pretty explosive, uh, surprisingly, 4 5 40, 37 and a half inch vertical leap at the combine. Uh, to me, you know, a guy who is an ascending player, still kind of new to that linebacker position, learning it a little bit, but uh, excellent movement skills, good nose for the football, um, excellent dropping into coverage as well. Um, and you need to be able to do that here in the league. You know, the next couple of linebackers that I have here are converted safeties. When you're talking about that, Dan. Buchanan really was one of the poster ch- uh, children for uh, uh, that uh, that hybrid linebacker safety. Uh, you know, a guy that can do a little bit of everything, and you're going to need that out of your linebackers. You know, you don't want them to really be you know two down by, you know two down guys. Can they also drop in and, and cover running backs, tight ends, possibly a slot receiver as well? Uh, my number five linebacker is Jermaine Pratt out of NC State. He he was a converted safety, as I said. Um, you know, started uh, playing linebacker in 2017, 6'2", 240 pounds, um, you know, had 69 tackles, five and a half for loss, a couple of interceptions, one of which he returned for a touchdown, two pass breakups as a junior. And then as a senior, just really, you know, had to be um, more of a leader 
uh, take really a leadership role on that team now that Bradley Chubb was no longer there uh, and and B.J. Hill, Contavious Street, you know, a lot of the veterans were gone. So Jen- Jermaine Pratt was really thrusted into a leadership position. Um, and then just 11 games, 104 tackles, 10 for loss, six sacks, three pass breakups, two forced fumbles. You know, he really was all over the field. And, uh, you know, a guy who I think plays very well downfield, um, I'm sorry, downhill, uh, but also the range um, to to play sideline to sideline. Uh, a guy who can drop into coverage, you know, a little stiff in the hips, sure. Um, but a guy, you know, ran a 4.5740 at the combine, uh, 24 reps at 225 in the bench press. So, you know, he's, he's added some strength there uh, after playing safety the first two years. Uh, 32 and a half inch vertical leap. This is a guy to me, uh, again, he's still learning that linebacker position, but a guy who can also play over the top. Um, you know, I think he's a guy, you know, that linebacker safety, you know, a guy that can play right around the, the line of scrimmage, um, but can also drop into coverage when you need him to can also get after the quarterback just a little bit. So I think that versatility is going to get him drafted in the third round. Same goes for Drew Tranquil. I think Drew Tranquil really, um, became famous or, you know, I guess infamous, uh, when he, I believe it was 2015 when he celebrated and, uh, landed wrong and, uh, tore his ACL and was out for the year. Um, but, uh, as a, as a junior converted to linebacker, uh, 85 tackles that season, 10 and a half for loss, uh, one and a half sacks, three pass breakups, and another three forced fumbles. Uh, as a senior, senior leader, uh, team captain, 86 tackles, nine for loss, three and a half sacks, four pass breakups. You know, this was another guy I, I thought, you know, very intelligent player, a guy who could play sideline to sideline, uh, very, um, you know, adept at, at reading uh, reading the quarterback's eyes in coverage, could drop, you know, and, and really played like a safety in coverage. But he also showed the ability to play laterally against the run, um, a, a guy who, you know, would not miss uh, tackles in the open field. Very sure tackler um, and a guy who you know does a really good job keeping outside leverage against the run. Um, to me, Drew Tranquil, another guy, ran a 4.5740, 31 reps at 225 in the bench press, 37 and a half inch vertical leap. You know he he is kind of the elder statesman there at Notre Dame. Came to the campus uh, in 2014. Now here he is entering the draft. To me, I, I think he's a guy who should come off the board in round number three. Um, someone that's looking for a linebacker that can also play safety um, a, a little bit. A guy who can definitely do some coverage and uh, can make some plays behind the line of scrimmage. I think Drew Tranquil is a guy, to me, that is going to fit the NFL of today. Number seven on my list is David Long out of West Virginia. 5'11", 227 pounds, a guy who you know, just continues to make plays. He's a guy that, that, you know, plays downhill, shoots gaps, um, you know, as a, as a sophomore, a season ago, 15 and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, six pass breakups, follows that up with, uh, you know, 108 tackles, 19 and a half for loss, seven sacks, four uh, pass breakups, uh, two forced fumbles, um, just another guy who seemed to just play sideline to sideline very well. Um, you know, he's been injured, so he hasn't had a, had much of a chance to, um, compete, you know, at the combine or at his pro day, 
But uh, look, you know, if you're looking for a football player, a guy who uh, could do a little bit of everything, this is your guy. He just continues to improve. You look at his stats from his freshman year through to his his, uh, uh, junior season with West Virginia, uh, David Long continuing to improve. And uh, I think he's peaking at the right point. Uh, Again, another third round guy. Um, You know, I think that'd be really good value for David Long. Keep an eye out for him. Number eight is Ben Burke Curvin out of Washington. You know, six foot, 230 pounds. This was a guy who, you know, filled in uh, the last couple of years, um, you know, at linebacker, um, you know, as a, as a junior, played in 13 games, 84 tackles on the year. Um, show, you know, picked off a pass, uh, three pass breakups, a couple of forced fumbles. But in 2018, holy cow, you know, 94 solo tackles. Uh, en route to a, a total of 176 tackles. Just a guy who just seemed to be everywhere. You know, read, react, seek, and destroy. Heat-seeking missile. You know, just very intelligent, high football IQ. A guy who just knew where the football was going to be. And the thing with it is, is you know, you know that that level of of understanding of where the play is going to be reminds me a lot of Luke Keekley. When I watched Luke Keekley play, I, you know, he was going to take me to where the football was going to be. You know, and it was one of those things to where I'm not going where the running back is. I'm going to meet that running back in the hole. So I'm going to go ahead and make a play and, and take the right angle. It's all about angle. Ben Burkirvin, an undersized linebacker, again, six foot, 230 pounds. But uh, that four, five, six, 40 that he ran at the combine shows that he has that explosiveness. And, uh, you know, the play speed, it, it definitely makes a whole lot of sense. This guy's motor is never stopping, as evidenced, obviously, by the 176 tackles. Um, and, and, man, knows how to make a play on the football. Six pass breakups, uh, four forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries in 2018 alone. Um, you know, some of these stats that, that uh, you know, I'm reading off here, um, you know, a lot of players would love to have that in one season. Let I'm sorry, in their career, let alone one season. Um, you know, I think Ben Burkirvan probably going to be a tweener between that third and fourth round range. Um, but a guy, again, the, the, the instincts, you know, that's going to get him on the field. He'll probably be a special teams guy, but I think he's someone who, you know, he'll probably be a reserve and he'll just keep making plays and he'll force the coach to, to, to start him at some point. And that's really what happened at Washington. You know, there are other guys that were playing ahead of him and uh, due to injury, he got out onto the field and then you just couldn't, you, you couldn't just take him off the field. He, he was forcing you to play, uh, to play him because he was playing so well. Nine on my list is Sione Takitaki, uh, probably the best name in uh, the entire draft. 6'1", 238 pounds, out of BYU. Uh, and the Cougars did, uh, you know, he, he started at linebacker, moved to the defensive line as a junior, and, uh, you know, offered up some some ability to rush the passer and, and make plays behind the line of scrimmage. Twelve and a half tackles for loss and five sacks. But, you know, he was undersized as a defensive lineman. And I thought the best thing that the Cougars t- could have done um, was move him back to linebacker. You know, running a 3-4 scheme there, um, you know, allowing him to play in space and really show showcase some of that athleticism and speed. Uh, 119 tackles, 10 for loss. Four sacks, three pass breakups. You know, he's somebody to me that I think. You know, I'm looking at the Steelers potentially in round number three. The Steelers are going to need uh, linebacker help both on the outside and the inside. I think Taki Taki could end up being an inside linebacker. And you know, I, again, you know, 
you look at them, you know, they, they have added some some depth there at the linebacker position. But I think Taki Taki is a guy that, uh, if nothing else, is going to provide some depth. And uh, he might be able to play a little bit uh, on the outside as well. I think he offers some versatility there. Um, you know, four six three forty, not too bad in terms of, you know, 37-inch vertical leap as well. Pretty explosive lower body. So, um, you know, I think Taki Taki third, fourth round makes a lot of sense to me. Number 10 on the list is uh, Tavon Coney, 6'1", 234 pounds, a guy back-to-back tackle, uh, 100 tackle seasons, you know, really 100, you know, 116 as a junior, 123 as a, as a senior, um, made a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage in the last two seasons, 21 tackles for loss and seven sacks, um, you know, very explosive downhill. You know, I thought, you know, when he had to get outside, you know, um, you know, play, making plays laterally, I thought that's where he really struggled. Um, you know, ran a, a faster uh, 40 time than I was expecting, you know, ran a 4.7240. But here's here's the problem again with, with uh, Tavon Coney. Um, you know, I thought that the play speed, a lot of times he looks slower um, than, than some of his counterparts. And, and part of the big reason why, yes, he was very productive making tackles. A lot of it was going downhill, didn't really have to showcase a lot of that speed, you know, to the outside. And frankly, even if he took a good angle, he wound up making some of those tackles, you know, five, six, seven yards down the field, as opposed to beating this guy, you know, to the spot and, and tackling him for loss. I think that makes all the difference in the world. He's going to be a day three guy. A lot of people have him going in uh, in the in the second or third round. But uh, again, for me, I think the play speed speaks for itself. I think he's a guy that ultimately, you know, very intelligent player. Uh, not going to take anything away from him there, but I think he's just a guy that, uh, you know, the, the play speed is what worries you. Now, the flip side, you know, with Bobby Okariki at Stanford, 6'1", 239 pounds. To me, he seemed to be all, you know, all over the place. You know, a guy, um, three-year starter for the Cardinal, uh, 94 tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, five pass breakups as a senior and, uh, you know, a guy who could offer a little bit of everything. He can drop into coverage, has some uh, some pretty long arms, 34 and a half inch arms, uh, can get his ball in, you know, or get his hand in the passing lane to knock the ball away, uh, can rush the passer a little bit, um, you know, coming off the edge. You know, I, I think he offers some of that for you, um, can make some plays behind the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, just a guy who just continues to make plays. Ran a 4.5840 at the combine, 33 and a half inch vertical leap. Um, to me, um, you know, Okariki could actually get drafted ahead of a guy like Tavon Coney, possibly sneak his way into round number three. Um, I have him penciled in there for the for the Rams in round three, actually. Um, somebody who I think um, could potentially play inside backer at the next level. And, uh, you know, the Rams need inside backers. You know, they're probably going to go elsewhere in the first two rounds, probably look at the offensive line and uh, potentially defensive line in the first two rounds, and then shore up that inside linebacker position. That would be pretty good value. Number 12 on the list, we're staying in the Pac-12. We're going to talk Cam Smith out of USC. Now, Cam Smith was a guy, I think you, you know, a lot of people will remember his freshman season, three interceptions against Utah, one of which he returned for touchdown. Um, you know, really – Burst onto the onto the field or onto the stage as that freshman, seventy eight tackles uh, in his uh, in his freshman season was a you know, all uh, freshman team there in the Pac twelve conference. Saw some uh, freshman All America honors as well um, as a as a sophomore, eighty three tackles, seven for loss, 
and then really his junior season was where you really saw you know the productivity as a, as a tackler you know 112 tackles 11 going for loss um, you know, four, I'm sorry, one interception there and then another three pass breakups. But look, here, here's the deal with, with Cam Smith. He was playing at, you know, 6'2 and over 250 pounds. And frankly, he didn't look like more than a, uh, a two down backer, a guy who just didn't have the speed to, to drop into coverage, you know, third down. If Cam Smith was still on the field, you knew where that quarterback was going. They were going to whoever Cam Smith was covering. Uh, 35 needed to to get better there in terms of of dropping into coverage if he was going to want to be drafted in the first four rounds of a uh, of the NFL draft, and he did that. You know, he's now you know he checked in at the combine at 6'2", 238. I think he was you know right around 230. You know, um, playing his, his senior year, if I had to guess, through nine games, 81 tackles, seven and a half for loss. Got a sack and, and four uh, pass breakups. Battled some injuries. Um, but look, he ran a 4.6940 and a 39-inch vertical leap. So the athleticism is, is there. Needed to shed some of that weight. Um, but I think... You know, he did show his his senior season that he can drop into coverage. You know, look, 14 pass breakups. So even though he was struggling, you know, from a standpoint of being able to keep up with some of these guys able to read quarterback eyes, get his hands into passing lanes, very intelligent player, high football IQ, was a leader of, of USC's defense. And, uh, you know, he's, he's somebody to me, I think, you know, a team that's looking for, you know, a high uh, high character, high, uh, high motor, um, very intelligent player, you know, they can go ahead and, and, uh, and take Cam Smith, probably the fourth, fourth round, I think feels, feels about right for him. Um, and I think they'd be getting a pretty darn good football player. Now, TJ Edwards out of Wisconsin, uh, six foot, 230 pounds. This guy's a man. You know, when you look at the stats, I mean, they're, they're staggering, you know, three, uh, 366 tackles, including 112 as a senior, 37 and a half tackles for loss, eight sacks, 10 interceptions, 15 pass breakups. You know, this guy really filled the stat sheets. You know, this was a guy who, you know, could play well sideline to sideline, really um, diagnoses plays quickly and, and reacts in a hurry. Uh, does a great job getting into, into passing lanes, getting his hands up, um, but uh, also very adept at, at at dropping into coverage. Again, reading the quarterback eyes, undercutting routes, and picking off passes. Um, you know, he was one of those guys to me that when I watched him play, you know, I was wondering what that 40 time was going to be because he, he looked, you know, looked like he could be a, you know, possibly a step slow, you know, another guy like Cam Smith using that, that noggin, using the brain, um, you know, really maximizing his play. Um, you know, ran a four, eight, seven, 40 at the combine. That's that, you know, the at, lack of athleticism is really what is going to kind of worry teams a little bit. 37, uh, 32 and a half inch vertical leap, uh, not as much lower body explosion as, as they'd like out of a linebacker at times. Um, but, um, you know, the play speed, you know, versus the, the 40 times, obviously that's really what you're going to be looking at. But to me, when I watched him play, um, you know, he was a lot of times he was in the right place at the right time using that, that intelligence to, you know, um, maximize some of the, uh, you know, his ability and really disguise some of his, his athletic shortcomings. Now, number four, uh, 
Number 14 is Joe Giles Harris out of Duke. 6'2", 234 pounds. Decided to come out after his junior season. Had some some injury concerns. Otherwise, he probably would have had uh, three straight 100 tackle seasons. That said, 313 tackles in his career. 32.5 for loss, including 16 as a sophomore. 8.5 sacks. Showed that he can get to the quarterback a little bit. Um, eight pass breakups as well. Um, you know, he, he ran a four, seven, five 40 at the combine. Um, not all that explosive, you know, just a 29 and a half inch vertical leap, um, broad jump of just 111 inches. Um, but he, he's, he's one of those guys, when you look at looking for a Mike linebacker, I think Joe Giles Harris feels like a Mike linebacker, a guy who can make plays, um, you know, right there around the line of scrimmage can drop into coverage a little bit, um, you know, do a little bit of everything. Um, you know, he just has 31 and a quarter inch arms. So he's got some shorter arms, which is a, a huge concern, especially with offensive linemen climbing to the next level, um, or to the second level to him, um, you know, getting off blocks is going to be huge. So those shorter arms, uh, definitely a concern. 15 on the list. And, you know, and because of that, I may even drop Joe Giles Harris down on my list because I'm looking at some of these other guys that I'm going to be mentioning. And, uh, you know, these are guys that to me probably should go up above him. Now, uh, Terrell Hanks, New Mexico State, 6'2, 242 pounds, you know, started its career with the Aggies as a defensive back. But uh, when he converted to linebacker, um, you know, starting in his sophomore season, three straight seasons of, of 100, 100 plus tackles, you know, as a senior in nine, just nine games, still had 101 tackles, 391 total in his career, makes a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage, 43 and a half, 11 sacks, eight interceptions, 14 pass breakups, seven forced fumbles, a guy who just has a nose for the football, um, you know, Excellent athleticism, you know, especially moving laterally. Um, ran a four nine eight forty at the combine. Really weird, uh, especially with that thirty five and a half inch vertical leap, which is respectable, and you know, in terms of that lower body explosion. But I, I think you know, downhill, you know, he he did, he was able to make some plays. Was able to get home to the quarterback a little bit. Uh, most of those plays coming in, you know, his junior season when he had seven sacks. But uh, you know, again, can drop into coverage, um, reads the quarterback's eyes well in. Um, when he does drop into coverage, um, very sure tackler uh, as well. But, you know, I think it's that lateral quickness for me um, that I think teams will be very excited about with Terrell Hanks. And uh, he has the the size, has the length, 33 and a half inch arms. I think he can play inside or outside at the next level. And I think some of that versatility is going to end up getting him drafted a lot higher than people might expect, especially if you just pay attention to that 40 time. Next linebacker to talk about, Jelani Tavai out of Hawaii, 6'2", 250 pounds. Now look, you know, Jelani Tavai, I was really excited to watch him play and, uh, you know, when when they started the season and he was suspended for the opener and then only got to play in eight games, went down, you know, with a shoulder injury. Um, but sophomore, junior seasons, you know, 120-plus tackles in each of those seasons, um, you know, 30 and a half tackles for loss. And uh, and eleven and a half sacks during that time period. You know, a guy who plays very well around the line of scrimmage, um, offers a little bit in terms of uh, of dropping into coverage. Um, you know, but that'd be one of the bigger concerns that I would have for him. But again, a guy who who played inside there for for the the Rainbow Warriors, and a guy to me, um, you know, screams Mike linebacker uh, in, in a forty three defense, and, and a guy who you know is 
he's a tackling machine. He's a tough guy. Did have some off-field concerns um, that teams are going to have to check out. But again, tremendous athlete. Dakota Allen, Texas Tech, uh, 6'1", 232 pounds, inside linebacker. Um, you know, coming uh, out, of, out of Texas A&M, you know, and uh, when you look at him, you know, sat out the 2016 season, um, but you know, his, his junior season was probably his best, best year. You know, he just had, had 10 played in 10 games in 2018, um, battled some injuries, but, uh, as a junior over a hundred, hundred tackles, six for loss, two sacks, four forced fumbles. Um, to me, he was, you know, one of the better linebackers, he and, uh, and Jordan Brooks there for the red Raiders. Um, but you know, you knew what was going on. You know, you had to follow, really follow Dakota Allen. Uh, ran a 4.77.40 at the combine, 23 uh, reps at 225. You know, a guy who I thought was was pretty strong there in the middle. Um, you know, but again, uh, a guy whose play speed, you know, I, I worried about at times. You know, I thought he played very well downhill. You asked him to go laterally, and that's really where he struggled a little bit. Some stiffness in his hips, and that's really where. Um, you know, that's going to be a big question mark, I think, for me going forward. Um, the flip side for that is, is Gary Johnson out of Texas, um, you know, a track guy, you know, ran a, a 4 4 3 40 at the combine, uh, just blazing fast, uh, just 33 and a half inch vertical leap, though. I was expecting a little bit, bit of a, a higher jump there. Um, you know, as a senior, just played two seasons there for the Longhorns, but as a senior, 90 tackles, 16 and a half going, coming for loss, six and a half sacks on the year. Um, not much in terms of, of, uh, you know, dropping into coverage, but, uh, a guy who could play sideline to sideline has excellent speed, takes pretty good angles to the football and, uh, just flew around and was, was difficult to block because he was so fast, you know, that, that quick, uh, quick burst to the football, um, was was pretty disruptive there in in the Big Twelve. Uh, I think he's when you look at Gary Johnson, I think he's probably a fifth, maybe sixth rounder, um, but a guy who I think could help teams, especially on special teams, at least starting out. Ty Summers out of TCU, an interesting player here, six one, two hundred forty one pounds. Biggest season was actually as a sophomore. You know they run that that four two five defense um, there in Fort Worth at Texas. Uh, Christian University and uh, 121 tackles as a sophomore, f- uh, five for loss, uh, one and a half tackle, uh, one and a half sacks, three uh, pass breakups. Um, you know, in that season, uh, overall, uh, 317 total t- total tackles, 27. Uh, I'm sorry, 22 and a half for loss, 10 and a half sacks, nine pass breakups. Had a couple of interceptions as well. Uh, this was someone who. You know, frankly, they, they needed some help up front um, along their defensive line, and they were able to convert Ty Summers to play defensive end uh, in that you know that uh, four four two five defense and uh, very undersized at the defensive end position. But I thought he more than held his own. Um, you know, being asked to play out of position, um, ran a four five one forty at the combine, thirty uh, six inch vertical leap, twenty seven reps at two twenty five in the bench press. A guy who I think can can be an inside backer at the next level, show some versatility. Um, you know, I, I like the speed as well. Um, you know, plays. You know, his play speed really matches that forty time. A guy who I think can make some plays all over the football field. Now, Rasan Joseph out of Florida. Six foot, two hundred thirty-three pounds. I'm not as high on 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 Vasan Joseph as as a lot of teams. 
I'm sorry, as a lot of people are, you know, he, he did have 93 tackles a season ago, nine going for loss, four sacks, five pass breakups. I wanted to see him come back to Florida. Um, and the fact that he he didn't do that, you know, he's coming out into the draft. I think his draft stock, you know, he's probably going to end up being a fifth or sixth round pick. I thought he was somebody who you know, probably could have had more, a lot more than those 93 tackles. Um, I thought he you know took himself out of a lot of plays, but, uh, you know, over pursuit at at, uh, at times, struggled to get off blocks at times. But uh, a guy who could make a lot of big plays, a lot of wow plays. Um, you know, did so quite a bit for uh, the Florida Gators. You know, but to me, I, I'm looking at him. I think probably fifth, sixth round is probably where he's going, where he should be drafted. He may end up getting drafted uh, in the second day because of his athleticism. But I, I think there's still he's still a work in progress, and because of that, those work in, works in progress usually end up coming off the board on day three. Now, Cody Barton out of Utah, the pub always got to uh, you know chase. Chase Hansen was always getting the pub, but you know Cody Barton quietly put together a huge senior season: 117 tackles, uh, 11 and a half going for loss, four sacks, six pass breakups, really making plays all over the field. You know Chase Hansen was expected to be um, you know a big playmaker there for the Utes. Uh, went down to injury, and Cody Barton. Um, you know, really showed off some pretty good athleticism. Four six four forty. Um, you know, thirty bench press, uh, 30 reps at 225 in, in the bench press. So, you know, a guy who definitely strong at the point of attack. Um, I thought he showed really good range um, for um, for a linebacker. And, uh, you know, the, the lateral quickness, you know, I thought was surprising when I watched him play. Um, could drop into coverage a little bit. Pretty good ball skills uh, as well. Um, I, I think Cody Barton is a guy who could probably end up making a roster probably fifth round range and uh, could be a pretty good player at the next level. So who's overrated? You know, there are a couple of guys that I have penciled in as, as being overrated, and that's the Clemson linebackers. You know, I, I think, you know, when you have a defensive front that is as good as it was um, with, with Cleveland Furl, Christian Wilkins, um, Dexter Lawrence and Austin Bryant, you had all those guys up front. The linebackers are basically able to run free a lot of times and make a lot of plays. Um, but Kendall Joseph, Trey Lamar, um, you know, in, in the case of Kendall Joseph, 6'1, 230 pounds, um, 285 tackles, 22 coming for loss, seven and a half sacks. Um, but a lot of that production um, was was as a sophomore, and he really wasn't able to duplicate those efforts. Sophomore year, 106 tackles, 11.5 for loss, 3.5 sacks, and then really after that, um, you know, those numbers, he basically, in his junior and senior seasons, they you could add those numbers up, and uh, you know, you'd probably equal the, the sophomore season or pretty close to it. Um, you know, just the guy who seemed to disappear in, in that offense ran a 5.05 at his pro day. You know, in, in the 40. Um, you know, so somebody who I, I thought made some plays, but you know, I, to me, I just looked at him and he was just a guy. Trey Lamar. A lot of people love this guy coming into the pre-draft process. 6'3", 253 pounds. Uh, the junior. Um, you know, 79 tackles, five and a half for loss, three uh, three sacks. Um, I didn't see it. I didn't see it out on the field. I didn't see the play speed. I thought, you know, he was slow to read and react. Um, you know, but he was making a ton of plays, uh, you know, sp- some splash plays because of the guys that were playing in front of him. Ran a four nine one forty at the, at his pro day. 
um, you know, but did have a 34 and a half inch vertical leap. You know, I, I think the, you know, that speed, you know, there's a lot of stiffness to him, you know, didn't really do a whole lot dropping into, co- you know, into coverage. And that's really the same thing for Kendall Joseph. When you look at the stats, only two pass breakups, two interceptions for, for Kendall Joseph, three pass breakups and an interception for, uh, for Trey Lamar. You know, when you're looking at and and you compare him with a lot of the other those two guys with a lot of other guys that are in this year's draft, and you know, I'd be surprised if you know I think they'll get drafted because they're Clemson linebackers, but I'd be surprised if either of them were were drafted before the fifth round. Um, you know, I, I just think that they were overrated coming into the season. You know, if you're looking for some outside linebackers in mid round, um, how about Ryan Connolly out of Wisconsin, six two, two hundred forty two pounds. Um, you know, a, a guy who coming off the edge wasn't the guy that was always getting home for Wisconsin, just six sacks in his career, but a guy who very intelligent player, 80 plus tackles in each of his last two seasons, uh, you know, double digit tackles for loss as well. Um, you know, I, I thought he offered some decent speed, you know, four six six forty at the combine, ran a 709 three cone drill, um, which was among the better, uh, better times there among the linebackers there. Um, at the combine, in fact, let's see, finished just behind Devin White um, there in the, in the three cone drill. But uh, to me, I thought Ryan Connolly was was the underrated linebacker of the bunch there at Wisconsin. You know, Andrew Van Ginkle got got some of that pub, and and same with with T.J. Edwards. Ryan Ryan Connolly was kind of the forgotten man, and really, when you look at Wisconsin linebackers, um, you know they 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 can produce and make plays at the next level. Um, you know, I think one of the guys that I really think back to is, is Joe Schobert. You know, Joe Schobert, tremendous athlete, and uh, you know if you, you know, I'm going to pull up his his stats when he played at Wisconsin um, himself again, the fourth uh, a fourth round pick, and uh, you know for him. It was more the the explosiveness, you know, and really thirty three and a half tackles for loss and thirteen sacks, you know, ten pass breakups as well, six forced fumbles. So Ryan Connolly is kind of that poor man's um, Joe Schobert. So you know, when you look at at Ryan Ryan Connolly, probably going to be a guy who's going to fall. I'd say probably sixth round, if uh, if I had to guess at this point. But still a guy who can be productive, I think, potentially at the next level. Uh, Tyrell Dodson, uh, Texas A&M, 6'2", 37", uh, 4'6", at the combine. Uh, a guy who is a, a, a run linebacker, a guy who's just going to run run, uh, run to the football. Over uh, 200 tackles in his career, uh, 18 and a half coming for loss, 6 sacks, 11 pass breakups. Um, you know, really as a sophomore, that's where he excelled in coverage. Three interceptions, eight pass breakups uh, to go along with 104 tackles as well. Um, you know, to me, you know, Tyrell Dodson, a, a guy who, again, mid rounds, mid to late rounds, um, but a guy who I think can be effective at the next level. Um, Drake Greenlaw out of Arkansas. This was a guy as a freshman. You know, played in 12 games as a freshman, and you know I think everyone was expecting this guy to really take off. 95 tackles, you know, just seemed to be making plays all over the field. Um, as a sophomore, ran into some injuries, played in just seven games, um, you know, and then you know that junior season had a really big bounce back year. 103 tackles on the season. Again, an instinctive guy. You know, fly, you know would fly around to the football. 
Um, senior season again cut short due to injury. Just nine played in nine games. Um, you know, six and a half tackles for loss, the most that he had in any given you know in his career. Um, you know, again, 5'11", 237, You know, kind of an undersized guy. Four seven three forty at the combine, and, and again. A guy who I thought made a lot of plays, um, you know, playing sideline to sideline. Um, some of the tackles were made down the field. Um, the biggest concern, I think, for me with with Ray Greenlaw was he wasn't making any plays behind the line of scrimmage. When you're talking about a lot of these linebackers, you want to see them making plays behind the line, uh, you know, instead of making tackles three, four, five yards down the field. And, you know, that's really the biggest concern. And I think the injuries, you know, didn't really allow Dre Greenlaw to continue to develop. I think he's going to be somebody who's going to struggle to to get drafted. Might be a priority free agent. Could potentially be a seventh-round pick. Um, but uh, still somebody that I wanted to talk about because, you know, I, I think in the right system, in the right scheme, uh, Dre, Ray, uh, Dre Greenlaw could end up making some plays um, at the next level. I think he, more than anything else, he's going to have to excel in special teams in order to make a roster. Middle linebackers, you know, looking some late round middle linebackers. How about Otara Laka out of Texas A&M? 6'3", 239 pounds, a big uh, big bodied linebacker, um, you know, in his last two seasons, you know, he, he's, uh, another, um, fifth year senior and, uh, played in just three games as, a, as a, a sophomore in 2015, had to red shirt, came back strong. Um, but really it was his, his last two seasons, making a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage, uh, 26 and a half. Uh, tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, a guy who times his, his jump very well, especially when he's blitzing the quarterback, shoots gaps very well, getting downhill, a little bit of the, you know, the lateral quickness to him. Um, I think he ha- shows some, some stiffness, but really a guy, um, read and react type of a linebacker getting downhill. Um, you know, and, and to me, you know, he's somebody who I think can be a, a, a two down backer. I just don't know if he can, be a, a three down guy. A lot of times he was off the field on third downs there for the Aggies. Ran a four eight two forty at the combine. Did show a thirty six inch vertical leap. When I'm comparing that forty and the vertical leap, um, you know you want to see if there is any of that uh, lower body explosiveness. You know, is this going to be a guy that you know can offer? You know, is there any athleticism to him? You know, the the fact that the forty, you know, if he's slower in the forty, you know, maybe there's a potential that the guy has some lateral quickness that's going to fit in there. Um, but if he's got neither, then that's really going to be a huge issue. I mean, this broad jump though, 131 inches, you know, that's that's getting it done right there. So uh, definitely somebody, um, you know, with the lower body uh, explosiveness, kind of speaks to the fact that you know when he, you know, that short area quickness right when the, when he sees that ball carrier he's he's taken off uh in a in a hurry and arriving with bad intentions jeff allison kind of a, a curious curious uh decision to enter the draft had back to back 120 tackle seasons um you know five and a half tackles for loss in each of those years as well uh you know really the um the face of that defense for the Bulldogs, 5'11", 228 pounds, an undersized middle linebacker, ran a 4.8240 at the combine, uh, just a 31-inch vertical leap. You know, comparison between him and Alaka, just a 115-inch broad jump. Um, you know, I'm, I'm too lazy to to convert that to feet, um, but I probably should. Uh, when you're talking about that 115, 
Um, that's just a little over uh, you know nine nine and a half feet. Uh, in comparison, when you're talking about Otara Laka, you know that's nearly 11 feet. So you know, a, a big difference there in terms of the athleticism. I think he is someone who shows some stiffness, a guy who plays well downhill, um, shooting gaps, really meeting the run back, running back in the hole, um, but not somebody, you know, when I think of Jeff Allison, I don't think of him as a guy that's dropping into coverage. I think of him really being a downhill guy more than anything else. Deshaun Davis, I think he might has a chance to get drafted ahead of these guys. Um, you know, 112 tackles a season ago, 15 tackles for loss. And really, you know, the thing for him was he had such a dominant front in front of him and he flew around and made plays. Now, the, the difference between him and and, and Joseph and Lamar, um, you know, I, I thought those guys disappeared, you know, quite often. And yes, they made some splash plays, but Deshaun Davis was a guy who was very reliable. You know, when, when guys, um, when, when that running back, um, would, would would press the line of scrimmage, you knew that that Deshaun Davis was was taking the proper angle and was getting to the ball carry. You didn't always see that with Kendall Joseph and Trey Lamar. And really what we found out was, you know, that lack of foot speed really caught up to him. But Deshaun Davis, read and react type of a guy, knew what he had in front of him. When you've got guys like Derek Brown and, uh, you know, uh, Dontavious Russell in front of you, you know exactly what you need to do. You need to read your keys and fly to the football and that's exactly what he did as evidenced by the 112 tackles as a senior I think he's a guy who's going to be a a later round pick but a guy who could definitely help a team and finally we're going to get to some some combined snubs there's quite a few of them and these are all linebackers who they showed up on the pro day and they delivered now I want to you know emphasize you know some of these guys when you look at the way that they play um, Philip Lindsay a season ago. I know he's a running back, but ran a four three nine forty at his pro day. Caught the eye of of John Elway, uh, a kid who wasn't drafted, priority free agent, and uh, you know the rest is history. You know a, a kid who. Uh, was just so explosive for the Broncos. There are a lot of linebackers here that I think can make plays at the next level. I kept them out of that prior list um, more than anything else, especially when I was talking about my top 10. But a lot of these guys are going to get drafted, and I think that they are going to, to stick on an NFL roster. Number one on my list is, is Josiah Taufa, um there for UTSA. I made it a point to, to tune in and watch this kid. You know his first year there at, at UTSA as a as a freshman, um, 115 tackles, nine coming for loss, six sacks. You know, really a, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, a guy who I thought flew all over the field. Um, you know, pretty instinctive um, for for a freshman. Um, battled some injuries in in uh, in 2017. Only played in seven games, but then as a, as a junior, 111 tackles, 11 and a half for loss, four and a half sacks, and, and you know again, he was he was a leader of that defense and really relied upon to to make plays, and you know he he did just that. You know he was a guy who can play sideline to sideline. He definitely showed that a guy who can make plays behind the line of scrimmage. Um, you know the, dropping into coverage, I, I thought he showed some stiffness. Um, but at his pro day, uh, 21 reps at 225, 32 inch vertical leap, 
Um, you know, I think he's somebody to to keep an eye on uh, for teams that are looking for inside backers. I think he'll probably be a day three pick, but uh, don't let that UTSA, um, you know, don't let that fool you. You know, he's he's a guy who um, can definitely make plays. You know, even though he played at a smaller school there in Conference USA. How about Cole Holcomb out of uh, UNC, a guy? Um, you know, when I watched North Carolina play, you know, I, I didn't really think much of Cole Holcomb. Um, but at the same time, all he did was make was make plays, make tackles. Um, you know, uh, twice had a uh, hundred plus tackles uh, as a sophomore and, and a senior. Missed uh, having three straight seasons his junior year by just seven tackles. Uh, 15 and a half tackles for loss, seven pass breakups. Uh, not much of a of a guy getting after the quarterback, but he really wasn't asked to blitz a whole lot. Uh, but a guy who was very instinctive, used that speed. You know, four four eight forty at the combine. You know, use the speed to to read, react very quickly, and shoot gaps and get into the backfield, make plays, uh, come off the edge and and drop the running back for a loss. Also used the the instincts. You know, his eyes to undercut routes, make plays on the football. Um, and then four forced fumbles as a senior. So he knows what to do. Definite uh, ball skills. I think Cole Holcomb is the guy who's going to get drafted probably somewhere fourth, fifth, sixth round. Um, but a guy who could end up making a squad um, because he has some pretty good um, pretty good recognition to go along with the speed to get there. Uh, Dedrick Young out of Nebraska, 6'1", 233 pounds. Um, you know, ran a 4'5", 140 at his pro day. Uh, you know, bench pressed uh, 24, uh, 225, 24 times. Um, you know, another guy, you know, 273 tackles in his career. Uh, you know, a guy who saw the field all four, all four seasons with the Cornhuskers, 12 and a half tackles for loss, 13 pass breakups. You know, another guy who really wasn't asked to uh, get to the quarterback a whole lot. You know, uh, the Basically had some other guys there in the front seven that were doing that, but he was somebody who was really asked to to drop and uh, and, and spy the quarterback and get his hand up in the passing lane. And that's exactly what he did. Um, I think he has a shot to be a uh, a day three guy, as does Drew Le- uh, Drew Lewis, Colorado, six two two twenty nine, tremendous athlete. Um, you know, a guy who flies around, makes plays. Um, you know, the, the stat line, if you just pay attention to the stats, um, not all that impressive, you know, just 167 tackles, 12 coming for loss, five sacks, seven pass breakups, but I uh, ran a four, five, 40, 34 inch vertical leap, uh, at, at the Colorado's pro day. And I think just that athleticism alone is, is going to get him a look, um, probably going to be a priority free agent. But again, um, I, I thought the athleticism, his ability to to drop into coverage, um, you know, can cover running backs and and tight ends out of the, um, you know, running backs out of the backfield and tight ends. Um, you know, I think that's going to make him valuable at the next level. How about Joe Deneen, Kansas, 6'2", 231 pounds. Um, you know, I think of Ben Heaney. There at Kansas, you know, ended up playing playing with the Raiders. Um, Joe Deneen, I think is a better player overall. Um, you know, just a tackling machine, uh, two, you know, his last two seasons there for the Jayhawks, 
back-to-back 130-plus tackle seasons, including 142 a season ago, um, 42 total tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks, six packs breakups. You know, like you know, like Ben, he, he's a guy that uh, you know was very instinctive. You know, really, when you talk about Kansas, if a guy was making a play on the football, chances are it was Joe Deneen. You know, very high football IQ, um, excellent diagnosing plays, shoots into the backfield very well. Um, does a tremendous job as an open field tackler as well. Surprising speed, ran a four six forty at his pro day, and I think that's really what's going to help him. Him, um, potentially get drafted um, is that that foot speed. I think you know a lot of people weren't expecting him, to, you know, expecting to see that. Um, a lot of that straight line speed, you know, speaks to him being able to shoot gaps and get into the backfield in a hurry. Um, you know, the bigger question is going to be, you know, that lateral quickness. What you're going to see there um, offers a little bit in terms of dropping into coverage, but you know, what limits him is, you know, I think he's more of a two down back at the, or I'm sorry, a two down linebacker at this point. I think really the same goes for for Josh Watson there at Colorado State, uh, six foot, two hundred thirty seven pounds. This guy was just a a machine uh, on the inside. Three hundred sixty five total tackles, including back to back hundred tackle seasons. One hundred thirty as a senior, um, twenty five tackles for loss, um, two interceptions, eleven pass breakups. Um, he's somebody to me that uh, that just continued to make plays. Um, you know, and he's somebody when you watched him play, I, I thought the foot speed wasn't always there. You know, I was expecting to see a little bit more out of him. He did run a four seven forty at the combine, but uh, you know, I think that straight line speed. Um, you know, when he's asked to sit there and play laterally, I think that's really where he got into trouble. Shoots gaps just fine. Um, it, it's you know laterally where he got him. You know, again, got himself into trouble. Um, you know, and I think a lot of those tackles were made down the football field. You know, Colorado State did struggle this past season under Mike Bobo, and I think that's really where, you know, a lot of his plays were made. Koa Farmer, you know, ran a 4-4-8-40 at Penn State's Pro Day, 6'1", 228 pounds. Um, you know, a guy who, you know, really, you know, started as a, as a kick returner, really, uh, for, for uh, Penn State as a, um, as a freshman, it was a, as a sophomore was a safety moved to to linebacker and really got his chance as a senior. A guy who who could get a look, you know, he ran ran pretty fast. Um, you know, when I think of, of guys at Penn State running really fast and ultimately getting drafted, I think of Troy Apke um, running you know a blazing time at the combine. Wound up getting drafted. Um, you know, didn't really stick. Um, but you know, I think Koa Farmer uh, still learning the position. Priority free agent. I don't think he's getting drafted, but uh, you know somebody who is at least worth mentioning because you know he did run as well as he did at at uh, at the pro day. Now Luke Gifford, another guy who I think could potentially be a late day three guy out of Nebraska, uh, 6'3", 243, ran a ran a four six forty at the combine, twelve and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks. You know I talked about Dedrick Young, you know being the guy that was dropping into coverage. Luke Gifford was a guy that was playing a little bit more at the line of scrimmage, coming uh, you know shooting some gaps, coming off the edge. Um, making some plays behind the line of scrimmage and pressuring the quarterback. Um, you know, much better athlete than I was. I think I was giving him credit for, especially with that four six forty. Um, but a guy who I, I think is going to you know struggle to get get drafted. Really didn't make much of an impact there with Nebraska until his senior season. It played in just eleven games in his first three seasons. Pat Jasinski, UCF. 
Um, this is a guy who just, you know, he was always, um, you know, seemed to be that leader of the Golden Golden Knight defense. Um, his biggest season was his junior year, 104 tackles, eight for loss, um, you know, had four pass breakups as a senior, a guy who seemed to have a nose for the football, um, you know, but didn't always have the athleticism to get there. So you you knew that he knew where the football was going. It was just a matter of whether or not he was going to be able to make, you know, get there and make the play. 487, uh, 40 at the combine really speaks to that. And uh, that lack of overall athleticism is going gonna, is, is gonna to be tough for him at the next level. The flip side, though, one of my favorite players in, in all of college football, Ulysses Gilbert III. You know, just six foot, 224 pounds, um, you know, didn't get invited to the combine, but ran a 4-5-140 at his pro day. Um, and here, here's the thing with Ulysses. You know, he um, first, you know, as a sophomore and junior, um, you know, 121 tackles as a sophomore, 11 and a half tackles for loss, four sacks, um, did have three pass breakups and three forced fumbles. Then as a junior, 140 tackles, nine and a half tackles for loss, four sacks, three interceptions, four pass breakups, uh, fumble return, four touchdown. And, and, you know, the thing with it was this was a guy that was being asked to play sideline to sideline as a more traditional linebacker, a guy that was rushing the quarterback a little bit, playing downhill, you know, really a guy who had tremendous speed and was able to utilize that, um, you know, with his range. And then... What do they ask him to do as a senior? You know, this was a guy who was lining up in the slot against receivers. You know, more often than not, a guy who showed that he has some coverage ability, some pretty good hips as well. That four five one forty allowed him to you know to play in space. Still managed eighty five tackles on the year, seven and a half coming for loss. Um, you know, just one pass breakup. You know, and so you know the ball skills you kind of wonder about a little bit, but you know he wasn't really asked to do that. Uh, until his senior season. Um, you know, I think he's one of those hybrid linebackers who, you know, is worth taking a shot on. Um, you know, a, a guy who I think uh, could stick with an NFL roster. I think he'd do very well on special teams. And, uh, you know, a guy with his versatility, you know, that's really where I think uh, he can end up sneaking his way in and, and getting drafted at some point. Now, Khalil Hodge, you know, another one of my favorite players uh, playing for the Buffalo Bulls. Um, you know, you want to talk about... Uh, you know, a tackling machine, 419 tackles in his three years with Buffalo. 419, you know, 123 as a, as a sophomore, 153 as a junior, 143 as a senior, a guy who just, you know, every single time, you know, there was a, a play from scrimmage, uh, you can almost expect the announcer to say that the tackle was made by Khalil Hodge. You know, that guy was just all over the field, 21 tackles for loss in his career, five and a half sacks, three interceptions, just five pass breakups. Um, you know, he was somebody that when you watch him play again, made a ton of tackles, but you know, he kind of left you, you know, wanting to see more, you know, a guy who I thought looked stiff dropping into coverage um, and, and really a guy that, uh, you know, playing laterally kind of worried about a little bit, you know, looked very thick, um, you know, 6'1", 235, um, just ran a 5.05.40 at his pro day. And I think that's really the big concern more than anything else, um, you know, was that lack of foot speed. And, and because of that, despite, you know, the production could end up getting him drafted, but that 5.05 and that lack of overall speed and athleticism uh, is what's going to hurt him. I think he, he, because of that, may end up being a priority free agent. I think he may struggle to end up getting onto an NFL roster. 
And then two small school guys to mention. B.J. Blunt out of McNeese State. You know, the, the personality, you know, in the, in the postseason. You know, everyone was talking about this guy, talking it up. Uh, undersized linebacker, six foot, 220 pounds, ran a 4.7340 at his pro day. Um, was expecting him to run a little bit faster because of the lack of size. Uh, did have a 39 and a half inch vertical leap um, in his senior season at McNeese State. Um, 102 tackles, 20 going for loss. Made a ton of plays behind the line of scrimmage. Also knew how to get to the quarterback. 11 sacks. Um, you know, five quarterback hits. Had six pass breakups. Blocked a kick in his senior season. So the guy was all over the place. A guy who loved, loves to talk as well. He's just, he's undersized. And, you know, when you're undersized, you know, a lot of those guys, you're expecting them to have have some of that play speed. Um, you know, I think he plays a lot faster than he's timed. You know, that four seven three. I was really kind of surprised that he ran, um, you know, ran that uh, at, at his pro day. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to pull up to Tavis Brown, uh, a guy that, you know, when you're talking about undersized linebackers, you know, this was it. You know, 5'11", 212 pounds, but, uh, you know, a guy who, you know, 340 tackles, 40 and a half tackles for loss, 16 and a half sacks, uh, 10 forced fumbles in uh, in his career there at Akron, um, ran a 4-4-4-40 with a 1-5-3 10-yard uh, split. So when you're talking about undersized linebackers, you gotta have that that speed to go along with it. And uh, you know, I know the 40 doesn't necessarily take into account the lateral agility, um, but it does it does speak to uh, you know a lot when you're looking at at uh, at BJ, and uh, I think he's gonna have a hard time getting drafted. The last guy that I'm gonna mention is Quinton Bell, 6'3", 238, out of Prairie View A&M. Uh, ran a four three eight forty at the at his pro day, and I think that's one of the things you know. Ran, you know, forty one and a half inch vertical leap, twenty three reps at two twenty five in the bench press, and really that four three eight kind of yeah, the forty one inch vertical leap um, really caught my eye. You know, this is a guy who played on the offensive side of the ball until really until his his senior season. Uh, forty two total tackles, eight and a half for loss, and uh, and six sacks. Um, but a tremendous athlete, you know, somebody who, you know, is there, you know, from a developmental standpoint, you know, does a team, you know, with a priority free agent, do they potentially bring this guy in and uh, and see what he can do, potentially, um, you know, put him on a practice squad and allow him to develop, you know, he's a tremendous athlete, and you know, pretty good size for a linebacker as well at 6'3 and 238 pounds. Um, I haven't seen this guy play at all, and frankly, I was looking at some of the pro day stats to see really what uh, some of these guys were running. And uh, you know, Quentin Bell, um, you know, that's somebody. You know, I, I you know, I think at least with that four three eight forty and the forty one and a half inch vertical leap, teams are at least going to go back and try to find some film of Prairie View A and M just to check, you know, kick the tires, check things out a little bit, you know. Make sure you know with with what they're seeing there. You know, is there anything to go off of? You know, th- is there some some potential there out on the football field? So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see exactly uh, you know, what unfolds for him. So, we've made it through over forty linebackers in this year's draft, and uh, 
It'll be interesting, again, to see just how many linebackers are taken. You know, I didn't even talk about, again, Andrew Van Ginkle, uh, you know, a guy who, you know, showed off some some speed coming off the edge. Emeka Egbule, 4'6", 40 at the Combine, an edge rusher there for, for Houston. Um, you know, Aziz Al-Shair out of, out of Florida Atlantic was a guy who, you know, I was looking forward to watching play this year, uh, tore his knee up, but, you know, had, you know, 100 tackle seasons there for the Owls. Um, Jordan Jones out of Kentucky, a pretty athletic linebacker, ran a 4.6240 at the Combine. I think he's one of the guys that I haven't mentioned that has a chance to get drafted. Um, let's see, Nate Hall at a, at a Northwestern, 6'2", 225 pounds, really a smart player. Um, I think the lack of overall athleticism is what's going to hinder him and, uh, you know, may not, may not end up getting drafted when it's all said and done. But, uh, there you have it from the linebacker position. Um, again, we've covered over 40 linebackers in, in total. And, uh, really when you look at the last five seasons, just to kind of bring it back again, you know, 29 and 2014, 29 and 2015, 30 and 2016, 23 and 2017, and uh, in 2018 there were 35. Um, so if I had to venture to guess, you know, just list, you know, listing out some of these guys and, and really looking at, uh, you know, some of the guys that uh, are making plays, I think at the end of the day, if I had to guess uh, the total number of, of guys that are going get to dra- get drafted out of this group, I'd say you're probably looking at um, probably about, I'd say, you know, the the right number, probably right around 20, 27, 28. You know, I think we'll, we'll total will get drafted. Um, you know, I, I think there are some playmakers, obviously, at the top with, with Devin White and Devin Bush, but a lot of the value at the linebacker position is really going to be day three and, uh, I'm sorry, uh, round three and beyond, and quite a few day three picks. I think, you know, like I said, Mac Wilson may be the only second round linebacker if he does go in round number two. And, uh, you know, that, that'd be the first time we've only had one linebacker taken in round two since 2014 uh, when Kyle Van Noy was taken in round number two. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting. You know, I'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen at that linebacker position. Um, I think there are a lot of intelligent players, guys that aren't necessarily on teams rate or weren't really on people's radar uh, that made uh, an impact at the next level. Uh, Jawan Bentley is one of my favorites. You know, out of Purdue, nobody really talked about this guy at all, and uh, there the Patriots go draft him in the fifth round, and he was making an impact for them. Um, so linebackers are in the books. Now all we have are the defensive backs. Defensive backs are going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be covering, you know, a lot of cornerbacks, a lot of safeties. You know, I think there are really three cornerbacks that are going to be taken in, in, uh, in round number one. Um, you know, Deandre Baker is my number one corner followed by, uh, you know, Byron Murphy and then Greedy Williams, you know, Rock Yassin is, is there, uh, in round number two and, and Julian Love, uh, Justin Lane, so you'll have about seven corners, I think, taken in the first two day, uh, first two rounds of the draft. Um, I think really for the safety position, I don't have any safeties going off the board in round number one, and uh, you know I'm a little worried about that because there are a lot of safeties um, in this draft who I think can make an impact. You know, from Jonathan Abram, Nasir Adderley, 
Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, CGJ, um, is a guy to me I think is probably the top safety in this year's draft. Amani Hooker is an intelligent player and really intriguing guy. You know, plays that kind of hybrid safety linebacker position for uh, Iowa. Uh, Taylor Rapp, another very versatile player, can play in the box and and uh, can drop into coverage a little bit. Darnell Savage, uh, heat-seeking missile there for, for Maryland. Juan Thornhill played corner and uh, safety for Virginia. Deontay Thompson started off the, the season very well for Alabama and then I think got exposed as the season went along just a little bit. Um, you know, but you've got a, a lot of players that are Jaquan Johnson, very intelligent safety. Um, there are a ton of safeties on here that I think are going to get drafted. Um, you know, at the you know day, you know second round, third round, um, a lot of day two guys uh, in this draft class. Ugo Amadi is probably going to be a guy that could be either late day two, early day three guy. Um, you know, and, and the list goes on and on. Lucas Dennis um, showed that he has some ball skills. Malik Gant is a is a big hitter. Sa- uh, Saquon uh, Hamilton for, for Rutgers, um, very athletic uh, safety. So, you know, I can keep going on and on with this group. Um, you know, and, and, you know, the cornerback position, um, you know, there's some corners that could be safeties, uh, you know, especially Iman uh, Lewis Marshall out of USC. I think he's a guy at the end of the day, um, you know, would make a very nice corner. I think he's got the size to do it. 6'1", 207. Um, a lot of big corners, too. You know, Isaiah Johnson, Lonnie Johnson, both 6'2". Um, you know, J- Justin Lane, also 6'2". Amani Oruwarie has some pretty good size. Um, you know, so there are a lot, a lot of big corners. And, uh, you know, that's one of those things. I look at the big corners and... Uh, that's kind of where the game had had been going, um, and you know using a lot of that length uh, to their advantage, basically taking a page out of the Legion of Boom. So we've got a lot to cover there at the at the cornerback and safety position, and uh, we're going to do that tomorrow. Um, really want to make sure that I'm bringing these podcasts to you. Like I said, rapid fire, get one after another out to you. So we're going to release the linebackers. Then we'll have the defensive backs, both safeties and cornerbacks. And then finally, my final mock draft. Make sure we bring that to you a day before the NFL draft because I don't want to release it the day of. I want to give you you know, a day to really soak things in, really make sure that you are prepared and ready for this year's draft. Just a few days away, Thursday, April 25th, Nashville, Tennessee. Hopefully you're counting down the days like I am. And I hope everyone has a really good week. Until then, this is Greg Shoots for ReadyForTheDraft.com and the Ready For The Draft podcast. Until next time, really until tomorrow, I'll see you then. Take care, everyone, and I am out of here.